A rash of soft tissue injuries has gone through the Missouri running back room. Is this a huge opportunity for former Truman State product Cody Schrader? Well, let's talk about that young man and more coming up right now on Locked on Mizzou. You are Locked on Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hail you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball five days a week. Thanks so much for making Locked on Mizzou your first listen. Thanks for telling a friend. We're available at LockedOnMizzou.com, wherever you find podcasts, and on YouTube, of course. Your team, every day. Yes, that's right. That's what we do here at Locked On, and unfortunately what the Missouri Tigers have been doing lately is dealing with a lot of injuries at the running back position, particularly soft tissue injuries. And I'll just say this, if anything, you want to be really careful with these guys, especially early in the season, because if it's a hamstring injury, like I've seen with with Tavoris Jones. It's been suggested that it's a hamstring problem for Tavoris, the four-star true freshman running back from the state of Texas. Well, I've seen a lot of data that seems to suggest that one out of every six guys in the NFL with a hamstring injury early in the season are going to have a recurrence of that same injury later in the year. So it's probably even a higher percentage, I would think, at the college level, at the very least about the same level. So you got to be really careful. The kind of injuries that can linger all year for sure. I've seen a lot of people just kind of dismiss these injuries as not serious. Well, I think that all remains to be seen. And that, by the way, it's not just not just the true freshman Tavoris Jones, but also Taj Butts and Nathaniel Pete, the former Rockbridge product, Stanford transfer, presumed kick returner, I think, this year for the Tigers. He did it a lot for the Stanford Cardinal. That's and pretty darn well. So that that's definitely some concern here. A, a room that I wasn't exactly sure how it was going to shake out, but it seems like maybe at least you liked the guys, the talent in that room. If you didn't have a lot of proven talent, you at least liked the talent in theory. Well, now a lot of that theoretical talent has been cut down possibly for week one. I don't know if that means that Truman State product, former Truman State player Cody Schrader is going to be the lead back in 2022 by any means, or if he'll even start week one. I think if I had to bet right now, I would probably say that Elijah Young will probably still get the first snap at running back for Missouri just based on experience alone. But I would also bet that it means that Cody Schrader plays a lot in week one at the very least. If I was betting on it, I think he's going to see some snaps, and that's going to give him an opportunity. It really will because, well, running back's definitely one of those positions. It's a little bit different when the lights come on, and Cody Schrader's a guy who certainly was impressive in the black and gold game, the spring game, this past spring of 2022. Now, I certainly didn't want to make too much of any black and gold game performance, but it certainly was notable that Cody Schrader ran really hard and really well in that scrimmage. Of course, the Missouri defense was down a lot of important players by the time Schrader was in the ball game. 
it was probably against a lot of walk-ons, to be honest. So, again, I don't want to go crazy here, but Eli Drinkwitz has intentionally brought up Schrader's name on multiple occasions here during the preseason. So, I, I think anything's possible there. If that guy comes in and shows out and runs well, he could possibly take a much bigger chunk of that job than anybody's expecting. Now, on the other injury front, fortunately for Missouri, other than the wide receiver, or excuse me, other than the running back room, not a ton of serious injuries so far, other than notably right tackle Hiron White. You read the tea leaves here, and it sure seems like that injury is looking more serious with each passing day. To me, his status for the entire season is questionable at this point. Now, that that's my words. Eli Drinkwitz hasn't said the word questionable regarding the rest of the season. That's what I'm saying. I'm just kind of wondering at this point if they might just shut him down for the whole year at a certain point. So, obviously not great news there because Hyron White, again, expected to be your right tackle first string for Missouri, but... At this point, week one seems like an impossibility. I'd say him coming back, the staff is still holding out that possibility. And I will too. I'll, I'll, I'll hold out hope. But again, his status for the season, very questionable in my mind. And speaking of questionable, I would say that it's highly questionable how at least half of the Southeastern Conference, including your Missouri Tigers, is going to perform this season in 2022. So I want to talk about the different tiers of this conference. But first, speaking of more questionable behavior, well, let's talk about something a little more serious right now. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think about calling for an for a, for a ride share, right? But nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. No biggie. What are the odds you're going to get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that can happen? Insurance goes up, lose your license, your job, total your car. Heck, you could kill somebody. Well, everybody knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police are out right now looking for impaired drivers to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again, play it safe, plan ahead to get a ride, use ride share. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Thanks again for making Locked on Mizzou your first listen every day. A nice surprise in my podcast feed this morning, the ultimate college football preview is here, a seven-episode preview with college experts, local team experts, and Odyssey college football insiders. It's everything you need to be ready for this college football season in one spot. Search for ultimate college football preview on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. When it comes to breaking down the Southeastern Conference for this season, some of it is pretty simple. I would divide the, first of all, the upper tier is obvious. I'll call them the elite for for our purposes. And oh, by the way, the elite, welcome back, Kenny Omega. Good to see you again last night. But obviously the elite is Alabama and Georgia, right? 
And I think no further explanation is required at this moment. Then I'll go way to the bottom and say there's one team that is absolutely in the bad category, and unfortunately that's the Vanderbilt Commodores, who, by the way, your Missouri Tigers didn't exactly blow the doors off of in Nashville last year. Lest we forget that Kiki Chisholm Hail Mary right at the end of halftime, just, just, I mean, absolutely as time expired there, Missouri needed every bit of that play to comfortably have have a victory there in the fourth quarter I believe it was 28 to 13 off the top of my head but only a two possession victory there for Missouri so that shows how far Missouri maybe still has to go this season at the same time there's one other category really there's that leaves two categories left first of all I'll call this the hey well they'll probably be good but you never know category Texas A&M Kentucky Tennessee and Arkansas, all teams that I expect to be pretty darn good this year, but at the same time with Texas A&M, quarterback questions, Kentucky, a lot of receiving talent off to the NFL, new offensive coordinator for your third year in a row. Tennessee looked much improved last year, but again, year two of Heupel, Tennessee looked really good against teams they could beat, but also maybe not so good against teams that that had the had the advantage against them that kind of sounds familiar to a lot of Missouri fans and also Arkansas kind of the same deal I expect Sam Pittman's squad to be good in year three for sure but at the same time with Traylon Burks off to the NFL and some other important talent again it's the probably going to be good but you never know category so that leaves seven other football teams in fact half the conference in my mind including Missouri which is basically what I'm going to call the who knows category. Between Missouri, Florida, South Carolina, Auburn, Ole Miss, LSU, and Mississippi State, flip a coin to me. I think any of those teams could finish anywhere from 7th to 13th without, and you wouldn't even blink, right? And of course, any of those teams could probably sneak up ahead of Arkansas to Tennessee, Kentucky, A&M, any of those teams. Because even though the Aggies, for instance, last year blew the doors off of the Missouri Tigers, well, you know, they were only 4-4 four and four in the conference. So maybe that season wasn't as memorable as we thought. We obviously remember that the Aggies nearly, well, they did beat Alabama, and yet they were only 4-4 four and four ultimately in the conference. So what does that say about them moving forward? I know they've had fancy recruiting classes and all that stuff, but again, who knows? My point is at least three Missouri opponents, Florida, South Carolina, and Auburn in the SEC, that's really where Missouri has to make some hay because Florida on the road, always a scary proposition, but at the same time, first-year coach Billy Napier, if you're a Florida fan, you're thinking, hey, a new coach, a new year, the Dan Mullen thing had seemingly run its course. Hopefully Anthony Richardson will be better at quarterback than Emory Jones. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure it's just that simple, at least not in year one, because for all the complaints about Dan Mullen, I always thought he was a pretty doggone good offensive coach. Now, the defensive recruiting left a ton to be desired. I'm well aware of that fact. But guess what? Most of those players 
are still going to be around in 2022. Napier couldn't flip over the entire roster, especially on the defensive side, in one offseason. And in fact, probably, arguably the most important player on the Florida roster last year, at least if you watched the game at Faroe Field last year, in fact, plays for the Missouri Tigers. That's Tyron Hopper, the, the middle linebacker. So a lot of question marks down in Gainesville. As far as South Carolina goes, hey, I think really they're in the same spot. I think Shane Beamer is in the same spot that Eli Drinkwitz was last season. Year two coming off maybe a surprisingly good year one where the Gamecocks go seven and six, three and five in the conference. Again, a solid season. They still got outscored overall on the season by about, let's see, by about 20 points. In fact, exactly 20 points on the season. So nothing really to write home about, but just better than I think expected, similar to Missouri's 2020. But at the same time, if you're just going to assume that Spencer Rattler is going to come in and raise the level of play, well, he might, but let's just say I want to see it first. And that's why they're clearly in the who knows category, along with, again, another Missouri opponent, the Auburn Tigers. Again, talked a little bit about Auburn earlier this week. Questions at quarterback, two different teams, a team that lost its last five games, including the bowl last year, and a true coup attempt was made on Brian Harson's job this offseason after just one year. Woof. When that kind of stuff happens, I'd love to hear some great examples of guys who the fan base basically turned on after one season to the point of a literal almost coup attempt. How many of those guys over the long term have been really successful at their jobs? I'd love to know some examples of that because I can't think of a lot off the top of my head. All of this is to say, despite all of the questions on the Missouri roster, well, at least Missouri has settled on what seems to be an obvious quarterback number one at this point, a guy who's been on the roster in this system for multiple seasons, which is not something that really anybody else in this tier can say. In the who knows category, Missouri's really the only team that can actually say that. So let's hope that Missouri benefits from some of the unknown and the chaos of this previous offseason. But you know what? Speaking of Missouri benefiting this season, let's hope we can benefit this season over at betonline.net from some smart value propositions like, hey, guess what? Missouri season win total still sitting over there at betonline.net as I speak the over five and a half wins, you still get some juice on that. Yeah, they're giving you some juice. Plus 115, that means you put $10 on it, they'll give you 1150 back. If you're right, I'll take it. I really will. To me, if you're going to give me odds on that, I'll absolutely take Missouri to go at least 500 this season. That doesn't include the bowl game, by the way. This is the 12 regular season games only. But you know what? If you don't like that bet, there's plenty of other options for you over at betonline.net, including MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, golf, and yes, even esports are a thing these days. This millennial doesn't totally understand it. No, I'm kidding, folks. I love video games, you know that, but you know what you're going to love? You're going to love Bet Online, where the game starts.
Well, Missouri veteran wide receiver Barrett Bannister may have raised some eyebrows recently with some comments about last year's locker room situation compared to how he perceives this year is going so far. But you know what? Let's just hear from Barrett in his own words. I think there was some stuff after last year that we um, kind of noticed with our locker room that we needed to get rid of. And um, there was a lot of negativity and things that, you know, just made our building um, not what it needed to be to be successful. And so I think we addressed those this offseason. We're very intentional about um, ways to, you know, build our brotherhood, build our team, build our locker room in the way that um, everyone's got each other's back and not just in a way where it's like a whole lovey-dovey thing, but it's where like if you screw up, I I can tell you something out of love and you're going to respect what I say and get it fixed. But hey, enough about Daniel Parker Jr., am I right? Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Did, Did I just say the quiet part out loud? Excuse me. Well, I'm not on the Missouri beat, so what do I care? But in all seriousness, I, I'm not. I'm sure it wasn't directly, well, at least entirely directed at Daniel Parker Jr. But man, for as much as I love that guy's run blocking, he sure liked to publicly shoot off on Twitter at the coaching staff with some passive aggressive messages at times, didn't he? So hard not to imagine that wasn't part of perhaps the chemistry issue there. But to be fair, this is sort of a an often recurring narrative in the preseason in the off season as well. We got the bad apples, the bad apples out and the good apples are now in. Everything's great. Everything's honky dory until you've lost a couple games in a row, right? So I don't know, perhaps if Missouri would have held on against Boston college last year, maybe the locker room would have been a heck of a lot better. I can just tell you this. You can't blame a couple guys who are gone. Certainly, nobody could think that Tyler Beatty was a locker room cancer, right? Who couldn't love that guy? And also, I think it's even more important to point out a less obvious thing, which is that it couldn't have been Connor Bazelak either, right? For as much as as much as Connor Bazelak was criticized last year in this space, and, and and some of it was very fair. It was all just about football. I don't think you could cr- ever criticize Connor Bazelak as a teammate whatsoever. In fact, quite the opposite. I have nothing but praise for Connor as a teammate, especially after the Armed Forces Bowl last year, where Brady Cook was the starter for that ball game. I think I think we all knew it's pretty safe to say at this point that Connor had a pretty darn good idea that he was going to be in the transfer portal at that point in time. He was banged up all season, you know, and he, clearly his play was affected last year, I think, by his physical status, but he showed a ton of toughness and grit suiting up every single week, and I think almost just as as important as that, again, he didn't have to suit up for that game in the Armed Forces Bowl. He really didn't. He was under no obligation to do so whatsoever. After that kind of tough season for him emotionally and physically, you know, I'll always remember that about Connor, the fact that he was in his uniform and available for that football game if his teammates needed him. It would have been really easy for him to to sulk there and sort of be selfish and say, you know what, I'm going to sit this one out. Really admire Connor Bazelak for that. I really do. All right, thank you all so much for listening to Locked on Mizzou, making it your first listen Every day, get more on the SEC, by the way, by making Locked On SEC your second listen. Every day, Chris Gordy 
and the local Locked On experts take you across the Southeastern Conference in less than 30 minutes a day. So again, make Locked On SEC your second listen. That's Locked On SEC. So until next time, I'm John Miller, and thanks again for listening to Locked on Mizzou.